Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Former Brooklyn Low, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Curtis Rogers. He does pre- and post-game work for the official flagship station of the Seattle Mariners. That'd be 710 Seattle Sports. We're going to be talking with him about a couple different things. Obviously, the series that we're getting between the Seattle Mariners along with the Houston Astros. But on top of that, what we've all been able to see out of the Oakland A's thus far as they wound up getting another win on Saturday. The landscape of the American League and just a starter or two that he is intrigued to see how they wind up faring on Sunday as well. So we're going to be having that chat with him in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in too many questions today, but we wound up seeing another great day of baseball on Saturday. And, well, the unders, they continue to prevail. So let's dive into that. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We're going to be talking about this with Curtis Rogers a little bit later, but the Oakland A's do it again. Fifth time in the last seven days that they've been north of a plus 160 underdog and one outright. Seven to five the final as Christian Pache comes up in the ninth inning. He winds up going deep off of Julian Merriweather. His first home run as an Oakland A. 
you wound up having Sean Murphy a little bit earlier in the game. He gets a second home run as Hunjin Ryu. This guy looks broken and just cannot get up. Five runs given up over the course of four innings. He is not what he once was. Bullpen from there, other than Merriweather, who gave up the two runs in the inning with the home run to Pache, was relatively solid. Emi Garcia, Trent Thornton, they combined for three scoreless settings. David Phelps, he was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. And for the Blue Jays, pair of home runs in this one. Zach Collins, first home run of the season. And then you end up having Matt Chapman get his second home run of the campaign as the man that wound up giving up both of those. Domingo Acevedo, he winds up giving up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Paul Blackburn, not a bad start here. Looks like he could be reliable for the Oakland A's. Five innings, two runs given up. Not a big strikeout guy, but does a good job of being able to give a little bit of length in these games. Danny Jimenez, along with Blue Trevino, give you a scoreless setting, and Justin Grimm, four outside of the bullpen to be able to get it done for the Oakland A's. The Tampa Bay Rays wind up playing another under against the Chicago White Sox. 3-2 the final. The White Sox able to get another one-run win. For Corey Kluber, not a bad start in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings as Jose Abreu winds up taking him deep for a summer on the season. From there, you wind up having Ryan Thompson take the loss due to an unearned run Give it up in an inning as you wound up having a fielding error there. And Corey Kluber wound up having an error of his own. But under and run wound up costing him. Jeffrey Springs, Andrew Kittrich, they both give you a scoreless setting. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, one of seven with Ben in scoring position as wound up having a nice start out of Michael Kopech. One under and run over the course of five innings. I feel like the White Sox should have been starting him last year. They were not doing so. Now that he's starting this year, things have really been able to come to the forefront. Rinaldo Lopez comes in for an inning. He winds up giving up a run. But Jose Ruiz, along with William Hendricks, give you a score setting couple with Bennett Sosa to be able to get it done out there. The Arizona Diamondbacks as an underdog get the win by a count of three to two. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they bolstered their batting average from a buck thirty-five to a buck fifty-three. Someone call the papers as you wound up seeing another Diamondbacks under in this one. They've only played two overs thus far this season, but for the Diamondbacks, the big hit in this one winds up coming off of Seth Lugo as in the seventh inning you wind up getting a home run off the bat of Sergio Alcantara. First home run of the season for Carlos Carrasco. Not a bad start here. Five scoreless innings. And then you wind up having Joey Rodriguez give up a run in an inning. But Seth Lugo gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of an inning. Trevor May, Adam Adovino are able to give you a scoreless setting. And for the New York Mets, lone two runs of the game come off of Ian Kennedy as Starling Marte of the Marte Parte. Second home run of the season off of Kennedy. He gives up those two runs in an inning. But Mark Melanson was able to give you a scoreless setting. Sean Poppin, Joe Manette, Tipley, they both give you a combined two scoreless innings. And Zach Gallon. Four scoreless in his second start of the season, and Kyle Nelson was able to give you a scoreless setting as well. The Atlanta Braves go on the road, and they're able to get it done against the Slam Diego Padres by a count of 5-2 to two as you wind up having Mr. Nick Martinez get his second start after he spent five years out there in Japan, and, well, much like his first go-around in the United States, not going well here as he winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings, including not one, not two, but three home runs. Marcelo Zuna, third home run season, Matt Olson is second, and then Ozzy Albies, Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 fourth home run of the season for him as Ian Anderson, very solid start here. Five and two-thirds innings, he winds up giving up one run. That one run was a solo run to Drix and Profar. Good start for him to begin the season. His start of the campaign, Trent Gershom will go deep off of Will Smith, getting jiggy with his first home run of the season. As Smith gives up a one run in one and a third innings, but Colin McHugh is scoreless inning. Kenley Jansen closes the door. He gets his second save as an Atlanta Brave, and for the Braves, now five and five. Actually, both of these teams are in. You wind up seeing the Padres go to the bullpen with Nabel Crisman, giving you three scoreless settings, and then Craig Salmon winds up giving up a run in his inning as well as the San Diego Padres have now played three out of their last four games 
under the total. So they've been playing quite a few unders to begin this season as well. And the Boston Red Sox, they wound up playing a very nice game against the Minnesota Twins, winning by a count of 4-0. To the credit of the Minnesota Twins, you were able to get some good long relief from Josh Winder. You wound up having Sonny Gray go out of this game after one and two-thirds innings. He wound up giving up two runs, including Homer. He wound up dealing with a little bit of a leg injury going deep off of... Gray was Alex Verdugo, third home run of the season, and Xander Bogarts winds going deep off of Winder, first home run of the season, but for Winder just to give you five and a third innings like that at the drop of a hat with the condensed spring training, you got to give him some credit. You did wind up having a scoreless inning out of Yuan Romero as well, but for the Minnesota Twins, very much a feast or famine lineup right now, and they wound up coming up snake eyes in this one as it's a Minnesota Twins team that they have broken the four-run plateau just twice thus far this season, so been a little bit of an issue there, and for the Boston Reds, Sox. Tanner Elk, very good in this game. Five and two-thirds inning scoreless. Matt Strand was able to give you a scoreless inning. And Garrett Woodlock, two and a third inning scoreless from him as well as you wind up having the Kansas City Royals. Also play a little bit of a game of Leaster with the Detroit Tigers. Three to one. The Kansas City Royals were able to get the job done and for the Royals, it has been a very interesting start to the season for them as this is a bunch that they have been able to break the four-run plateau just twice. Actually, the three-run plateau just twice, but Regardless, they are 3 of 5, and with Chris with a K, Bubich, very interesting set line here. As he winds up going 4 to 3rd innings, giving up 1 run on 6 walks and 2 hits. So, that was fascinating to say the least. Scott Barlow coupled with Colin Sider, though. They combined for 3 scoreless settings. You wind up getting Josh Shamout, a scoreless setting for a save. And Dolan Coleman was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And you wind up having Hunter Dozier on the offensive side of things. Go deep off of Will Vest. Really the deciding hit in this one. First home run season for Vest. Gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Matt Manning was not long for this game. He gives up only one run, but last just two innings, giving up five hits in the process. He was just dodging bullets out there. And then from there, Drew Hutchinson gives you three scoreless innings, and then you wind up getting two scoreless out of Jason Foley. The St. Louis Cardinals were able to pick up a win over the Milwaukee Brewers by kind of 2-1 to one as Brewers. Their offense continues to be ice cold for the season as they have the worst run line record in the big leagues now, 2-7 and seven on the run line as the Cardinals were able to have Steven Matz go for 5 and 2 thirds saying scoreless. Ryan Elsley comes out of the bullpen. He gives you it out. Lone run was surrendered by Genesis Cabrera. 1 and 2 thirds innings. Winds giving up a solo shot to Victor Carantini. His first as a Milwaukee Brewer. And then you did wind up having Giovanni Gallegos give you a 4-out save. And tough loss for Adrian Hauser. He gives up one run over the course of 5 and 2 thirds innings. Very solid performance. Did wind up blocking 3, but got out of it. Trevor got. Gives you four outs out of the bullpen. Brent Suter, a scoreless inning. And then Jake Cousins allows a run and an inning, but just not a lot to him for the Brewers, who wound up having just five hits in this one. Not a lot doing either for the Cincinnati Reds, really, until the ninth inning. 5-2, to two, the LA Dodgers are able to get the win. Hunter Green, by the way, 39 pitches of above 100 miles per hour, pretty much in the modern age of tracking pitch velocity. That is the most that we've ever seen as start ever. Gives up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five and a third inning. Says Trey Turner down for what? Gets his first home run season off of him, but it was Mr. Julio Arias who wanted going five scoreless innings for the LA Dodgers. From there, Evan Phillips, David Price, they both give you a scoreless inning. Mitch White tried to close out the final two innings, got through one scoreless, and then gave up a few hits in the ninth. He gives up two runs in total as Danny Hudson has to come in for the save and for the Reds. Buck Farmer gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. You wind up having a scoreless inning out of one dart Moretta, and then you wind up having a run given up by Daniel Duarte in his inning of work as the Reds wind up mustering just four hits in this one, half of which wound up coming in the ninth inning. Houston 
Astros wind up holding the Seattle Mariners scoreless. 4-0 to the final as the Astros. They've only played two overs themselves thus far this season, and a lot of it has been due to great pitching as Hector Neris wound up closing things out after Justin Verlander. Eight strong scoreless innings with eight strikeouts as the Houston Astros wound up getting a deep five from Martin Maldonado. First home run season off of Chris Flexen. For Flexen, not a great start, not a bad start. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. You wind up having Matthew Festa give up a run in a third of an inning. Eric Swanson gave you two scoreless and then Justice Sheffield two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but the Mariners at no point in this game wound up having a runner in scoring position, so that was a little bit of an issue for them. For the Chicago Cubs, they wound up having a lighter fluid issue as Mr. Mark Leiter, who was making his first starts at 2018 at the big league level, got destroyed. The Rockies get the job done by a count of 9-7 for Mr. Leiter Jr. Gives up seven runs in three and a third innings, including home run to C.J. Crone. That was his fourth home run season. He would then go deep a little bit later to be able to notch his fifth home run in the season. As that second home run comes off of Ethan Roberts, gives up a run in an inning. Jesse Chavez was able to stem the tide with two and two-thirds innings, giving up a run in Rowan Wick. Was able to give you a scoreless setting and for the Cubs. Missed opportunities here. 3 of 14 with men scoring position as Antonio Sensatella did his part. Five innings pitch in the start. Gives up one run, but Ulysses Chassin gives up four runs, three of which were earned in one and a third innings. Justin Lawrence, one and two-thirds innings, gives up a run, but Daniel Bart comes in. He's able to get his fourth save of the season. The New York Yankees, they wind up being able to get to the Baltimore Orioles bullpen as they wind up getting a 5-2 win. Josh Donaldson winds up getting his first home run of the season. That was off of Trey Lincoln Sr. as he wound up actually getting a really good start out of Tyler Wells. He winds up going four scoreless innings, and then you wind up having one run in a third of an inning given up by Mike Bowman and Trey Lincoln Sr. Boy, this was not a good performance. He gives up that home run to Mr. Donaldson. Four runs in total in an inning. Ball fry, one and two-thirds inning scoreless, and one Alexander Wells is able to give you two scoreless innings, but James Dion allowed a home run in the third inning to Cedric Mullins, second of the season for Mullins, and that was about it as Dion for two-thirds innings gives up two runs, and the Yankees, top three bullpen out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA, gets it done again. Michael King, the King gives you two scoreless innings. You wind up getting a scoreless inning of J.P. Sears, and Clay Holmes is able to give you four outs out of the bullpen as well. Wound up having the LA Angels bullpen look relatively solid in their 72 win over the Walker Texas Rangers. As Noah Thor Syndergaard, good start here. Six innings pitch, does wind up giving up two runs, but then you wind up having Archie Bradley give you two scoreless innings and Oliver Ortega a scoreless inning to be able to get it done. And for the third time in two days, Shoy Otani winds up going deep. He takes Craig Holland deep for his third home run of the season. And then you wind up having the first home run of the season off the bat of Tyler Wade as he winds up going deep off of Joe Barlow, who last year was really good this this year, seeing a little bit of fall off Taylor Hearn, not the start that he was looking for. And now in his two starts, he has went seven and two-thirds innings, giving up in that time span. 14 hits, gives up three runs in this one. Brett Martin winds up giving you an out of the bullpen. Garrett Richards, scoreless inning. Matt Gibby some more wanted coming out of the bullpen for two innings. He gave up a run, and then Greg Holland gives up two runs over the course of an inning. And for the Texas Rangers, not a lot doing on offense. Just one of four with men in scoring position as Marcus Simeon now hitting a buck 47. So that has been tough for this team. What has been also a little bit tough is the fact that the Washington Nationals have been very up and down as well. The poopy Pittsburgh Pirates get a 6-4 win as Josh Rogers winds up giving up three runs and four and a third inning. Steve Ciszek, he was able to give you one and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen with Kyle Finnegan. Three runs, two of which were earned while getting just two outs. Hunter RV was able to give you an out of the bullpen to be able to sure things up. And Victor Arano was able to give you a scoreless inning, but... For the Nats, they went going 2 of 11 with men in scoring position. Bright spot in this game. Going to be the bright spot a lot this season for the Washington Nationals. 
That'd be Juan Soto. Third home run season. Goes deep off of Bryce Wilson, who gives up two runs over the course of four and a third innings, but Dylan Peters is able to give you two scoreless innings. David Benar was able to give you one and two-thirds innings scoreless, and Chris Strand does allow two runs in his inning of work, but the Pirates, they do go four of nine with men in scoring position to be able to get this one done. The Philadelphia Phillies, they lambaste the Miami Marlins by a count of 10 to three. This game was really over before it could get started as for the Philadelphia Phillies, no home runs in this one, but seven of 12 with men in scoring position as Trevor Rogers, worst start of his young career. He gets five outs and he gives up seven runs, all of which were earned. Cody Poteet has to go three and a third innings. He gave up just one run in the process. And then Sean Armstrong, the victim of two unearned runs, was hurt by Joey Wendell fielding error. And also you wind up having Brian Anderson come in there as well. Stephen O'Kurt, along with Daniel Castano and Tanner Scott, I'll give you a squirrel setting in for the Miami Marlins. They won the home run battle 2-0. Avicio Garcia goes deep off of Bailey Falter, his first home run season, and then Ranger Suarez winds up allowing Ode Solaire to get his first home run as Miami Marlins for Suarez. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings, not keeping up the, like, 169 ERA as a starter a season ago, but certainly doing a solid job. Here's where Anthony Dominguez was able to give you a squirrel setting along James Norwood, and then you wind up having... Two innings out of Bailey Falter. He does wind up allowing that solo home run, but more than enough to be able to get the job done. Also being able to get the job done, the San Francisco Giants. They throw it and they take down the Guardians by a count of 4-2, to two, despite the fact that the Giants go 1-9 of nine with runners in scoring position. Anthony DiSclafani winds up giving up two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, and then the Giants were the only team in the big leagues last season to have a bullpen ERA sub-3. They get it done. Dominique Leon, Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, they all give you a scoreless inning. John Breba, Alonso Garcia, goodbye for a scoreless inning, and Jose Alvarez, it will give you an out of the bullpen. And for the Guardians, Cal Quantrill gives up two runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Not great, not terrible. Nick Sandlin, though, he winds up giving up two runs in his inning of work. Sam Entages came in for a scoreless inning, and then you wind up having one and a third innings combined out of Trevor Steven and Logan Allen scoreless as the Guardians. One of 11 with men in scoring position after they came into the series. Just completely white hot with the bats. And taking a look at something else that is completely white hot. If you've been betting unders this season in Major League Baseball, we wound up seeing another under day on Saturday. But overall for the season, 71 unders of 48 overs. 59.7% at rate. Underdogs have been okay this season. 42.1%. 53 and 73 straight up, but as we know, if you're taking these underdog prices, you're getting a lot like the good old Oakland A's who have been able to get it done as underdogs. A little bit of a rough day on Saturday in Major League Baseball. They wound up going just 5 of 10, but the unders, they wind up hitting in a big giant way. You wind up having one push on a total, 10 unders and 4 overs. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's get a little bit of an American League West roundup with our good friend Curtis Rogers. He does tremendous work with 710 Seattle Sports. He is the pre and post game most for the Seattle Mariners. We're going to be talking with them about all these American League West teams and also going to be getting his thoughts on just what we're going to be seeing on Sunday in general. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. 
they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. 
Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. And it is great to be joined by our guest as Curtis Rogers. Does absolutely amazing work over there with 710 ESPN in Seattle. He's got one of the best Twitter handles that you're going to find at a kid from Kent because he is a man from Kent, Washington. Does pre and post game work over there at Seattle Sports 710 for the Mariners. And then he's got the Seattle Sports Night, Seattle Sports Saturday podcast going on as well. So a man that is very active. And Curtis, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, always appreciate coming on with you. And we're about a week, week and a half into this Major League Baseball season. Lots to talk about, especially out here in American League country, and always look forward to our conversations. I do as well. And when it comes to the American League West, I didn't think we'd be leading off with this team, but the Oakland A's have won five out of their last seven games, being able to take down the Toronto Blue Jays on Saturday. And you were on my preview show of the American League a few weeks ago, and we both said that the Oakland A's weren't going to be a team that was going to be contending for a World Series or anything like that, but neither of us understood quite the amount of disrespect that they were getting, and thus far, I think that they've been able to back it up. I don't even think that this is going to be a team that necessarily finishes 500, but I just take a look at the Oakland A's, and as long as you've got the front office there that they wind up constructing the rosters that they do, you can never really count this team out, and even though it's a case in which you don't wind up having these star players like Matt Olson, Matt Chapman from past years, they're getting the job done once again. They absolutely are. And I mean, you look at some of the guys that they're relying on now. Sean Murphy, I think, is somebody that has shown the ability that he is a major league catcher in the past, for sure. And he's looking really good out of the gate. 
Heck, I mean, Jed Lowry, it feels like he's in his eighth different trip with the A's, and he looks like he's just the same old Jed Lowry that he's always been. He'll get you a batting average in the high 200s, 270, 280, and on base in the 350s, 360s. You know what you're going to get with him every single time. A guy who I'm interested to see over the course of a 162-game schedule is Seth Brown, their left fielder. He's already got a pair of home runs early on in this season. His batting average isn't quite there right now, but I always felt like he's somebody that, if given the opportunity to play every single day, you could see some good things from him. Chad Pinder at third base, he's always been a really good utility guy for them. Getting the opportunity to play every day, obviously at third without Matt Chapman there. As we all know, the A's just have the better player development tracks of any organization in Major League Baseball. And I think the demise of them was not going to be as dramatic as so many people have made it out to be. I mean, they still have you know, a good enough amount of talent around. Their pitching staff still with Frankie Montes there. I don't know how long he's going to be there. And we saw the trade rumors last week about the White Sox interest in him. I don't know if that ever got anywhere, got off the ground. So who knows what what could happen there. And, and look, I mean, Cole Irvin is a major league pitcher as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see what this A's team does. Do I have them pegged to win the AL West? Not at all. In fact, I think things are going to start to even out a little bit more here with the Astros and the Mariners, maybe even the Rangers and Angels too. But don't think the A's are as dead in the water as everybody thought they would be. They're not going to, you know, top out at 50 wins. I think somewhere in the 70s is a reasonable expectation for the A's this season. Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that the Oakland A's, if you're like me out here in Vegas betting on them every, every single day, until they wind up pulling off these prices that are like north of plus 175, you got to keep betting them until we wind up seeing otherwise because this is a team that they're offering you a good effort night in and night out. That's what you can always expect from the Oakland A's. Got a bunch of guys that they don't have big names, but they're certainly delivering big performance as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me right here on the podcast. And Curtis, when it comes to a pair of other teams out there in that same division, the American League West, we've got them squaring off this weekend. That'd be the Seattle Mariners and the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are such an intriguing team because it doesn't matter who they wind up pulling in there. It just feels like everyone's able to connect with the ball. Hey, Chaz McCormick, Jose Siri, young guys out there in the outfield. They've been playing well. Jeremy Pena, you wind up plugging him in, and lo and behold, he's getting on base like it's nobody's business for the Houston Astros. And then you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, a team that they have picked up right where they left off from last season, winning one-run games. I think that this is going to be a very intriguing series as we're doing this before the Saturday game. And I think that both of these teams do have quite a bit of staying power for the Mariners as long as the acquisition that the Mariners wind up getting from the Reds in Eugenio Suarez, along with Jesse Winker, wind up being able to step up for them. Yeah, and you bring up the addition of Winker. That's going to be massive for them as prior to Saturday's game, Mitch Haniger was placed on the COVID IL. Also, Houston dealing with the absence of Jordan Alvarez for the same exact reason. So both teams missing a huge contributor in their lineup. Sort of evens the playing field, as it were. But looking at the Mariners' outfield rotation, right now you've got Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Jesse Winker is going to be out there. And with the absence of Mitch Haniger, 
Heidegger, those three guys, I feel like it doesn't necessarily as big of a blow as it would have been had the Winker and Suarez trade not happened. Since it happened, the Mariners have a lot of outfield depth. Hopefully there'll be more later on this season, depending on the health of Kyle Lewis, who is still down in Arizona doing an extended spring training as he continues to recover from his knee operations. And looking at the Astros, you talked just how they kind of plug and play and everybody kind of picks up where the last guy left off. They have such tremendous depth throughout that organization. That's why I still have them picked as my American League West favorite in 2022, even without Carlos Correa, even without George Springer, without Zach Granke, without Garrett Cole. All these names, all these superstars that they have lost over the last two or three seasons, it still seems to not matter because they're able to plug them in the lineup, you know, also plug them into the rotation. Guys like Jose Urquidy, guys like Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, another name that can, you can throw on that pile. Heck, they even get Justin Verlander back this season, who had a really good start his first time out of the gate. So even with all those losses, it just feels like the Astros are still very much the team to beat in the American League West. I do think the Mariners are gaining on them, but I don't think this is the year that they pass them. Yep, I agree with you there. I think that it's a case in which we could wind up seeing the Seattle Mariners be that number two team. Astros once again be that number one team. And the reason why I do think that Seattle is that number two team is that I take a look at the LA Angels and I think that they just came into the year a little bit overrated once again. Now, the good news is now we're doing this before we wind up seeing it start against the Texas Rangers. But Noah Syndergaard first time out looked very solid. That is a very good sign for this LA Angels team. But I take a look at that bullpen. Lots of question marks there. We all know that Mike Trout, Shoei Otani, as long as they stay out there on the field, they're going to perform. They're going to put up massive numbers. But you got to take a look at guys like Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele. David Fletcher was terrible last season at the end of it. I just take a look at those guys, and I don't have a lot of faith in them being able to step up. And I feel like the Mariners' core, especially that bullpen, much greater than that of the LA Angels that they just feel really top heavy once again this year. They really do. And I mean, you bring up David Fletcher, who's off to a very slow start as well. One for 13 heading into Saturday. I think he had a bucko eight in the final month of the season last year, and he had two home runs for the entirety of the year. What good is his bat? Yeah, I mean, boy. And it's crazy to think that just a couple of years ago, he's one of the more undervalued players across Major League Baseball. It has shifted very quickly on him. But you bring up that Mariners bullpen and just how good it could potentially be. We all know from last year how Paul Seawold's emergence really stabilized things in that bullpen. Same with Drew Steckenreiter. Diego Castillo was very, you know, up and down after they acquired him from Tampa. But a name to keep an eye on who has just been opening eyes across the league right now is Andres Munoz. Heading into Saturday, he has struck out the last eight batters he has faced. And he also recently was clocked with the fastest pitch in Mariners team history at 103 miles an hour. This is a guy that has legit stuff. The slider is very nasty. So if the Mariners find themselves with a lead in about the fifth or sixth inning, things are looking their way. Look, there's still the potential they could get Ken Giles back at some point too this year. But looking at the battle between the Angels and the Mariners for maybe second in the American League West, I would have to go the Mariners right now. Also, I would choose the Mariners because I don't think Scott Service would ever intentionally walk somebody with the bases loaded like we saw the other night where Joe Madden chose to intentionally walk Corey Seager with the bases loaded. Still trying to wrap my mind around that. I mean, yeah, the Angels ended up winning that game, but boy, that is one of the more head-scratching managerial decisions I've ever seen. Yep, and according to Bob Nightingale, he had a great tweet about this. It was the first time that any manager 
sent an intentional walk in a game in which they were trailing since 1881. <laughs> so it had been a while since we had seen a manager in a game that they were trailing issue an intentional walk. And I'm sure that we were all there where Jim O'Rourke of the Buffalo Bisons issued that intentional walk on August 2nd, 1881. As we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me right here on the podcast. And Curtis, when it comes to what we've all seen this early part of the MLB season, is there anything that's really standing out to you that's been a big surprise? Because I'm sure that we're able to spot a couple of them. Now, obviously, if you're looking to do like an NFL comparison, because NFL teams wind up playing 17 games, these teams are pretty much the equivalents of one NFL weekend. So it's very, very early. And it could be a little bit more of a broad brush trend. Like I've been noticing that we've just had a lot of low scoring games in general this season. But is there anything that's really been standing out to you, either to the positive or the negative? Yeah. In the American League East, I look at that race right now. It's weird to see all the teams we kind of had pegged as teams that were going to run away with the division all at 500 or maybe below. You've got the Blue Jays at 5-4, and four, the Yankees at 4-4. Four and four. You've got the Rays. They are around 500 as well. Uh, you've got the Blue Jay, or you've got the Red Sox at 3-4. and four. All four of those teams, I mean, we had kind of pegged them for at least a few of the American League playoff spots. Yeah, the Rays are 4-5 and five right now. And the only team with a positive run differential out of those American League East contenders is the New York Yankees, and they're plus three. So that, to me, is interesting because we had chalked it up to the American League East as getting many of those additional playoff spots in the new playoff format, but so far it has not happened. And then another team that is really impressed, yeah, they're 4-3, and three, only a game above 500 just a week into this thing. But the Cleveland Guardians, with a plus-20 run differential, second best in baseball behind the New York Mets, who are 6-3 and three right now. Cleveland has looked a lot better than I think many people were anticipating, especially considering the fact that you know, they were pretty much shipping everybody off. I think Cleveland is a team that, yeah, they are in a transitional phase, but also, look, there's still talent on that roster. They've now made a commitment to Jose Ramirez. Hopefully they'll make a bigger commitment to other guys on that roster. Uh, they have looked really good. Obviously that blowout win over the Royals, a big reason for that 20-run differential. But look, they have looked better than I think a lot of people had anticipated. Oh, I'm right there with you. And the guy that wound up going on the hill on Saturday, Cal Quantrill. I really like what he's able to bring to that Guardians team as well. So we are in lockstep there as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me right here on the podcast. And Curtis, just in terms of what we're going to be getting on Sunday, I know that you're certainly going to be locked in to that Seattle Mariners versus Houston Astros game. But is there anything else that you're really curious to see? Because we do have a lot of these guys that we're going to call it what it is. They're towards the end of the rotation that are going to be going. And I do think that some of these ends of the rotation could be the difference between a team making the postseason, not making the postseason. As we know, depth is very big with regards to the MLB when it comes to the back half of the season. Anything that you're really taking note of that we're going to be seeing on Sunday? Well, I mean, in that Mariners-Astros game, as you pointed out, the Mariners are sending Matt Brash to the Hill, who... In his major league debut against the Chicago White Sox, looked very impressive. Striking out, I believe it was six White Sox through five and a third innings pitched. Brash has been one of the more highly touted pitching prospects the Mariners have had over the last few years. And if you follow the Pitching Ninja Twitter account, 
he was just infatuated with Brash's slider against that White Sox lineup. And as we know, the White Sox, very deep lineup. So it'll be interesting to see how Brash follows up that impressive debut against another deep lineup in the Houston Astros. Another game I'm looking at right now is probably going to be the Yankees and the Orioles. Nestor Cortez is somebody that he has all those different arm slots. He's somebody that has, you know, had a very interesting journey through Major League Baseball. Last year, 93 innings pitched, had an ERA below three. Is really one of the more valuable pieces of that Yankees team. Made 14 starts as well. Just so versatile in what he can do on the mound. We're going to see if he can continue to build off of that. I mean, what a find that would be for the Yankees. Somebody that was once a Yankee, left, joined the Mariners back in 2020, came back in 2021. Maybe he's figured it out. Because if so, I mean, that is a Yankees team that is in desperate need of depth in the starting rotation because there's so many guys you can't really bank on right now. If Cortez is somebody that can emerge amongst that group, the Yankees are going to benefit greatly from Cortez. Yep. The Yankees can certainly use the emergence of Nestor Cortez. He's going to be a big cog of that and a man that always emerges for us whenever he joins this podcast. That'd be you, Curtis. You do absolutely tremendous work over there with Seattle Sports 710. I know you're doing a lot of work this season with regards to the Seattle Mariners because even when they've got off days, I know you've been doing a little bit of a show for them as well. You wind up doing the Seattle Sports Night, Seattle Sports Saturday podcast as well. And when it comes to football season, I know that you up out with coverage of the Seattle Seahawks as well. So love the good people at home. No, they're able to follow you on social media and just what's all on tap for you the next few weeks. Yeah, the next few weeks are going to be busy. We're going to have another episode of Mariners Extra Innings coming up on Monday with an off day. And then also you mentioned the NFL coverage we do here as well. We're going to have tons of draft coverage leading up to that Thursday, the 28th, the 29th, and also the 30th. So plenty in store for that. And then as well, Mariners pre and post game throughout the week. I'll be on it Saturday night. We'll be talking to you then. And Greg, I'll be talking to you the next time we uh, we link up. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what winds up happening in the NFL draft, by the way, because going to be out here in lovely Las Vegas this year. What's supposed to happen a couple of years ago, as we know, the pandemic wound up putting the kibosh on that. But now we are getting it this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Curtis, he covers a little bit of everything, does a great job with Mariners pre and post game work and just is a staple over there out there in the Seattle sports landscape. And it's always great to get him aboard. So big thanks to Curtis for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my, my day. That's my day. 
Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. 
What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. And it is always a pleasure to get Curtis Rogers on. He does amazing work out there in the great city of Seattle doing pre- and post-game work for the official flagship station, 710 Seattle Sports. And man also does a great job doing the Seattle Sports Saturday, Seattle Sports Night podcast. You're able to catch this man all around, and he always delivers the good on this podcast. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. And going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games. And we've got one interleague game between the Giants and the Guardians. That is going to be at the bottom. So keeps things relatively nice, neat, clean, and easy for those of you guys that know about college basketball rotation order. Not this neat, clean, and easy. So it is a luxury to have this as we begin with 951-952 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road to face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jose Quintana is going to be going for the Buccos, and Patrick Corbin is going to be on the bump for Washington. Pirates are finding themselves anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Nats, anywhere between minus 120 to minus 140 is what you're laying, and your total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Overs anywhere between even to minus 110. On the 8, the under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. And you got a pair of struggling veteran starters that are going in this game for Patrick Cartman. 10.80 ERA in his first two contests. He has given up six runs, and he has went fewer than five and a third innings, which that's not necessarily too terrific. And he hasn't even given up any home runs. He's just been banged around like a pinata. And then you've got Jose Quitano. Last season while he was with the LA Angels, wound up having a north of six ERA. But that said, first that time out, five and a third innings, gave up one run. That was a very good start to the season for him. Now, you need to see a little bit more before you can be convinced that this is like 2018-19 Cubs, Jose Quitano. But you do take a look at the bullpen. David Benar is able to give you some solid innings. I do like what you're able to get out of someone like a Chris Stratton as well. Miguel Yajur, he's a little bit raw. He's probably someone that you're not going to be seeing, which honestly upgrades Pittsburgh Pirates a little bit for you. And for the Pirates, you don't have power with regards to the team, but you do have guys that are able to get on base. Brian A's hitting well above a 300 this season. Brian Reynolds last season, he was able to hit above a 300. Yoshi Satsugo, ever since coming over to the Pittsburgh Pirates, is it right around at 250. Daniel Vogelback being your leadoff hitter, that's not necessarily too tremendous. He's gotten on base, but I think that it's interesting that they don't wind up utilizing him in some sort of a cleanup spot, but 
And it's just me personally. You've got guys like Ben Gamble, Roberto Perez looking to reinvigorate their careers. And then with the Washington Nationals, you actually do have some boppers with this team. You've had Josh Bell hip for multiple homers. He's hitting above a 300 thus far this season, north of a 400 on base. Juan Soto has multiple home runs. He's absolutely tremendous at being able to get on base and these veterans like Cesar Hernandez, Mikel Franco, they've been able to do a solid job. Now, Lane Thomas, after he wound up hitting about a 275 in the month of September after getting dealt from the St. Louis Cardinals, has been off to a little bit of a rough start this season. And for the Nationals, this entire bullpen is rough. Kyle Finnegan and Sean Doolittle, these guys just are not what they once were. Both of these guys have aged, and they have not aged very well. You've got Victor Arano, who out there in the bullpen might be one of their best pieces because Tanner Rainey last year had a north of a 70 RA. Awesome. Both is someone that they're looking at as a little bit of a long reliever as well. So I do think that's a little bit of a rough spot here for the Washington Nationals. I do end up saying them as a slight favorite because they've got a little bit more power, but I think that this has went a little bit too far. Set this line at a minus 107. So here at North of plus 110, going to be taking a shot here on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Neither of these starters are guys that I necessarily have a lot of faith in. Set my total at an 8.8. So looking over as well. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be in the road faceoff against the New York Metropolitans. David Peterson. Great name. He's going to be going for the Mets. And Umberto Castellanos is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Z-backs, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 170. Peterson Company, anywhere between minus 180 and minus 195. And to all in this game, you're going to be finding it at an 8.5. With the 8.5, you're finding the juice on the over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. And same goes for the under as well. You're actually going to be finding it anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 on both sides. And we're seeing a straight 8 out there as well. On the 8, over is minus 120, and the under is even. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, congratulations. They are now hitting as a collective a buck 53. Now, I did wind up saying this total at an 8.7. I'm going to be taking a look at the over because David Peterson, not necessarily a guy that you want to be having too much faith in. And the same goes for Umberto Castellanos. By the way, if you're looking at the Mets run line, currently finding that at a plus 110. I was willing to lay more like a minus 105 on this. So that's where I'm going to be looking. I don't necessarily want to lay this minus 180 money line with the Mets. I wound up saying it more around a minus 174, but I'm going to be willing to take that plus price. You take a look at Mr. Castellanos and he's someone that he wanted to make it a couple starts last year. He was thrown in the bullpen as well. Began the season out there in the bullpen and the Diamondbacks are so notorious for this. They wind up having a guy go from being a starter to being out of the bullpen to being a starter. And when you wind up just intermixing this because the work that you wind up doing to prepare to be a starter is so much different than it is in terms of that versus being in the bullpen, it just completely throws these guys off. And it gives someone like Umberto Cassianos absolutely no chance whatsoever at success. Now, I don't think that Umberto Cassianos is ever going to be going out there and he's going to be a Cy Young Award winner or anything like that. But at the very least, give the guy a shot after two relief appearances. Now he's going to need to start. He's probably not going to be able to give you a lot of innings. And this is someone who's young. He's been able to give you right around three walks per nine innings, which is far from great. But at the same time, I feel like there might be a little bit of upside there. But they just keep toying with them, and it's absolutely terrible for this team. I mean, you take a look at David Peterson, and it's not like this is a Mets team that's necessarily done the world's greatest job of being able to take care of him. You wound up having a couple bullpen appearances as well. You take a look at what he wound up doing during the 2021 season, and he was just sort of all over the place with regards to this team. Wound up having a relatively solid start 
to the season. He wound up making 15 starts overall, but command really got the best of him. 554 ERA. He wound up walking 29 guys in 66 and two-thirds innings, so neither of these guys were necessarily great for the Diamondbacks. You literally have nobody that's able to give you power. Ketel Marte of the Marte Parte is 14 home runs. Wound up being the most of any player to return to the team from last season. Then you take a look at the flip side for the Mets, and they now have their Marte Parte in Starling Marte, someone who's won the best at being able to get on base. That's a nice job of being able to get steals. Pete Alonso, one of the best home run hitters so you're able to find in all baseball, actually led the league in terms of home runs on the road last season. This is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark out there with New York, but we wound up seeing the big issue for this team wind up cropping up on Saturday, and that's the fact that the bullpen isn't what it was last season. Aaron Loop, Jurisic, Familia, these guys are out of the fold. Edwin Diaz is someone that you cannot rely upon. Seth Lugo, I think that he's going to be able to find it. He's had a little bit of a rough season thus far, though. You take a look, Francisco Lindor, starting to look a little bit more like the gentleman that we wound up seeing over there in Cleveland. He, Jeff McNeil, Eduardo Escobar, with Brandon Nimmo, all entered yesterday, having at least a 375 on base. So the Bets offense actually has not been too bad to this point. Entered yesterday, hitting a 268 as a collective. And I do think that David Peterson going to be able to do enough against a guy in Humberto Cassianos, who, if he wants to really have a shot, the uh, Diamondbacks need to either put him as a starter or a reliever, quit playing games with him. And I do think that that is going to be a big issue. And I think the Cassianos gets rocked. You've got a bullpen for the years and the Diamondbacks that is not necessarily so great. Got the senior citizens of Mark Melanson along with Oliver Perez. And then you wind up getting down to like Noe Ramirez. J.B. Wendelkin is actually someone that I do like for this team, but you just don't necessarily have a lot of reliable options. I think the Cassianos might wind up going out of this game relatively quickly. I do like this total over as I wind up setting this all at 8.7. And like I said, set the money line at minus 174 with the Mets, but I was willing to lay a, a price on the run line with them, seeing that at a plus 110. I'm going to take the run line of the New York Mets, full knowing that I am rolling the dice a little bit just because you don't wind up getting sometimes those last ups in the ninth inning with that home team. But we'll take the run line, and I'm going to be willing to take a look at this total over. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Miami Marlins, and they're going to be playing us to the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is going to be going for the Phils, and Eliezer Hernandez is going to be on the bump for Miami. The Miami Marlins are finding themselves at sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Sillies, anywhere between minus 147 and minus 160 is your price. Seeing anywhere between 7.5 and 8 on the total. On the 7.5, the over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. On the 8, the over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. Only place that really has that is DraftKings, unfortunately. DraftKings is not in the state of Nevada, so not going to be able to take a look at that as I did wind up setting this total at a 7.7. So here are the seven apps that I'm seeing right now. I'm going to be taking a look at and over because I do have a guy in Zach Wheeler that he wound up having really not much of a spring training whatsoever, and you saw him come out rusty in his first start of the season, and he's going up against someone in Eliezer Hernandez who last season. He was obviously a little bit better at home, but still wound up giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. The amount of hard contact that he winds giving up, that is a little bit concerning. Now, you do take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies team. Bullpen is better for being able to support Zach Wheeler while he winds up being able to get up to speed. And for Wheeler, by bad, I mean in his first start, wound up giving up one run in four and two-thirds innings. Just not necessarily the typical length that you wind up seeing. And I do think that that'll probably be the case once again. It'll probably be on a little bit of a shorter leash. So, expecting probably like five to six innings. But now you've got Corey Knable, someone like a Jursich Familia. Being able to come in out of the bullpen for the team, James Norwood is able to give you a little bit of long relief as well. For the Miami Marlins, it is a team that they do have quite a solid bullpen, but and you wind up seeing Trevor Rogers wind up giving up five runs in the first two innings yesterday. That wasn't necessarily 
too great for this team, so they're a little bit expended. Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender, these two guys are able to do a solid job. Tanner Scott, Cole Solzer, winding coming over from the Orioles, really the only two Orioles relievers that were trustworthy, but we also take a look at this Miami Marlins team, and the lineup itself, not necessarily hitting the world's greatest. Among their starters in the lineup yesterday, other than Brian De La Cruz and John Birdie, pair of guys that wound up having for the season fewer than 10 at-bats entering into the game. You had one guy that was sitting above the Mendoza line of 200, and that would be Garrett Cooper, Ore Soler, Asus Aguiar, Avicio Garcia. These guys have had a relatively rough start to the year. Now, Aguiar, in the month of August, was actually leading the National League in terms of RBI, but these guys just don't compare to what you're able to get on the flip side. Nick Castellanos is right now hitting above a 300 for the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper has had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but you know that he, Kyle Schwarber, both of these guys are going to be able to be firing all cylinders when it's all said and done. They are dealing with an injury to Gene Segura as well. Bididi Gregorius has been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base and filling in for Gene Segura. Johan Camargo has been able to do a solid job of reaching base as well. Now, I take a look at Zach Wheeler. I did wind up having to downgrade him a little bit just because I'm not expecting as much length out of him in this start. I did wind up setting the Phillies at a minus 138 in a normal spot. I'd be setting this a little bit closer to a minus 150, minus 155. So seeing the plus 40s I am right now, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Miami Marlins. Did wind up setting the total at 7.7 because I do think that we see more of the Phillies bullpen than normal. So looking at an over and I'm going to be taking a look at the fish in this spot. 957, 958 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals set the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Aaron Ashby is going to be going for the crew. Dakota Hudson is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis find themselves as underdogs. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. Meanwhile, with the crew, it's anywhere between minus 122 and minus 130. A is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, I did wind up saying that as a minus 115 favorite, the minimum that I would need to be able to take a look at the Cardinals on is plus 115. We have barely gotten there in some spots. So I'm going to be willing to take that plus 115 with St. Louis. With the Cardinals, certainly is a team that has quite a bit of firepower when it comes to lineup. Tyler O'Neill, along with Dylan Carlson. These are two young up-and-coming boppers out there in the outfield that they provide a lot of boom for this team, especially O'Neill, the way that he was able to come on last season. And going into the game on Saturday, Nolan Arenado, already four home runs this year. Took him a little bit of time to get acclimated to St. Louis. Looks like he's gotten acclimated just fine. Paul Goldschmidt out to a little bit of a cold start to begin the season, but keep in mind, after the month of July last season, at a 335 for the rest of the season, he's going to be able to pick it up. And Yadier Molina has been missing the last few days, so the Cardinals do wind up getting a little bit of a disadvantage Share, but you also take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers entering into their game on Saturday. You had one guy that was really seeing more than 10 at bats that wound up having a batting average above a 250, and that'd be Justin Hira, and he hadn't been seeing many at bats either. It's been a case in which these guys have really been struggling. William Thomas hasn't been able to give you a whole lot of fly. Christian Yelich has actually been halfway decent, wound up getting a little bit of rest yesterday, but he's been looking a little bit better, not necessarily as much power, but able to get on base for you. Hunter Renfro is just a one-year wonder. I don't understand why the Brewers wound up signing him, and Brewers obviously have the edge when it comes to the bullpen. You've got Josh Hader along Devin Williams, but on top of that, Brad Boxberger, Jake Cousins. These guys were rock solid, but Giovanni Gallegos is able to give you some good innings. You're able to get some relatively good play out of TJ McFarland as well. One of the more underrated relievers that you're going to be able to find out there in the big leagues, even someone like a 
Brian Elsley, when he's right, he's able to give you some good production, was a little bit up and down last season, but I take a look at Dakota Hudson, one of the best ground ball pitchers that you're able to find in all of baseball. He should be able to keep the ball in the yard, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, going into their game yesterday, the entire pitching staff had allowed just one home run. Fraudson did wind up giving up three runs in four innings in his first outing. I think that he's going to be a little bit more rock solid, and for Ashby, he's been sort of used as a super reliever for the same wind up throwing three and a third innings against Baltimore Orioles. Can't think that he's necessarily going to be really going past four, so the Brewers are probably going to have to deep dive with regards to their bullpen in this game, so I do think that Hudson going to be able to line a little bit more length. I did wind up saying this at a plus 115. Ashby has some solid stuff. I think that he'll be able to line a couple solid innings, but I do think that you can't make the Brewers too much of a favorite with all these unknowns surrounding them, so it is a case in which I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the St. Louis Cardinals at that plus 115. Did wind up saying my 2 and 8.2 as well with the way that the Brewers have been struggling, and the bullpen is relatively solid in their own right. So, looking at it under and looking at the cards. 959-960 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are going to be playing us to the Chicago Cubs. Drew Smiley is going to be going for the Cubs, and Austin Gomber is going to be going for the Rockies. The Rockies are finding themselves as a Rocky high favorite, anywhere between minus 129 and minus 140. Meanwhile, with the Cubbies, it's anywhere between plus 120 and plus 123, seeing a straight plus 115 out there as well. You're finding your total at 11 over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and when it comes to the Rockies, I did wind up saying them at a minus 133 in this spot, so here at the minus 130-ish that I'm getting, I'm going to be willing to lay it. Austin Gomber was absolutely magnificent at home last season. His ERA was was over double on the road what it was at home. At, at home, right around a 207 ERA. This is someone that's able to be lights out. Sometimes winds up having a little bit of a walks issue, but that said, guy is able to really do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort. Then you've got someone in Drew Smiley who looked very good in his first start of the year. Five scoreless settings. The disclaimer is this was against the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates, and this is someone in Smiley last year that he gave up a whole bunch of hard contact during the 2021 campaign. He wound up posting up a 448 ERA, meaning that he did not deserve an 11-4 record. Gave up 27 home runs at 126 and two-thirds innings, so that was a big t- giant issue, and on the road, opponents sit at 294 off of him, so you do have to be taking note there when it comes to the Chicago Cubs. This is a bunch that has quite a few guys that have gotten off to a good start to the year. Jonathan VR, Wilson Contreras, Ian App, along with C.A. Suzuki, all were hitting at least a 350 going into the game yesterday. Jason Award, he's been a little bit more of a platooning player. He's been able to do a solid job. Rafael Ortega, a little bit of a slow start for him, but Frank Schwindel, he wound up having a nice end to the season last year. He's been able to do some relatively solid work with Matt thus far this season. And then, you take a look at Colorado and so many of these guys wound up having batting averages that were like 100 points higher at home than they were on the road last year. I'm talking about guys like C.J. Crone. You wound up having all but two home runs for Charlie Blackman last season. Come at home. Connor Joe, he's able to make this team go. He's got multiple home runs. He's hitting above a 300. Brendan Rodgers, I think, is due for a little bit of a bust out this season. Once again, a little bit of a rough start from this season, but I do think that he's going to be able to do some solid work when it comes to the bullpen. Both of these teams are relatively poopy out there. We're just going to call it what it is. You've got Michael Gibbons for the Cubs, who actually used to be a Colorado Rocky. You've got Jesse Chavez, who's very long in the tooth. You don't want to be trusting in guys like Scott E. Frost and company, and then for the Colorado Rockies, I mean, Daniel Bard has some very good home and road splits. His home ERA is 
under half of that that it is on the road. So he's much more effective at home. Ulysses just seen as a long guy that you really can't rely upon. Tyler Kinley is able to give you a good inning or two, but I do think that Gomber going to be able to continue his dominance at home, which is why I do wind up setting this total at an 11.8. So I'm going to be looking at this total under one lay up to a minus 132 with Colorado still laying it with the Rockies. 961-962 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're under the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. Andrew Heaney is going to be going for the Dodgers. And Tyler Molly is going to be going for the Redlegs. Redlegs are finding themselves between plus 160 and plus 175 underdogs. Meanwhile, with the Dodgers, it's anywhere between minus 180 and minus $2.00. Nine is your total. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And I set the Reds at plus 142. You take a look at Andrew Heaney, and he was remarkably bad last season. I still cannot get over the fact that he wound up pitching in that Field of Dreams game, and he wound up making the dreams of many batters come true with the way that he wound up giving up homers last year. 583 ERA with 29 long balls at 129 and two-thirds innings. That is absolutely atrocious right there. And that's while pitching with the LA Angels, which that ballpark during the nighttime, it's actually relatively pitcher-friendly. And then you take a look at Tyler Molly, and this guy is the ultimate road pitcher, dating back to what we wound up seeing last season. So pretty much over the course of, I would say, 17 road starts, he's got right around a 2-2 ERA. He's been absolutely tremendous with that regard, giving up less than a half home run per nine innings when he's away from Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, he does wind up giving up a little bit more hard contact. And one trepidation that you do have to have with this Reds team is that the line up can sometimes be a little bit intermiss. Brandon Drury, he's already given you multiple home runs this year. Taylor Nake when he's been able to get on base. And Tyler Stevenson out there at the catcher spot. He's been rock solid. Jonathan India has been able to give you some solid at-bats. But Joey Votto, much like last season, he's off to a little bit of a rough start. I think that he's going to find it. Question is when you're having to rely upon Mike Moustakis being able to regain his form. He was injured much of last year. Has not been great. And then Tommy Pham, Aristide Sakino, Jake Fraley out there in the outfield. These guys have been a hot mess. And then for the LA Dodgers, this is literally the Death Star when it comes to this team. Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Will Smith. When it's all said and done, all these guys are going to hit for at least a 260, and all these guys are going to hit at least 20 home runs. I mean, we just know what's going to happen with this Dodgers team. With the Dodgers as well, bullpen is solid for this team. Justin Brule is able to give you good innings. Bruce Arter Gratterall is able to throw triple digits. Blake Trinan, along with Craig Kimbrell. Those guys are great in the 8th and ninth innings. For the Reds, it is a little bit more of a shaky bullpen, but Luis Sessa, when he's not being used as an opener, is actually halfway decent. Art Warren has been able to come through for this team. I actually think that you're going to be able to get some good innings. Uh, Justin Wilson this year as well. I just take a look at the spot. Tyler Bali is by far the better pitcher than Andrew Heaney in this game. Obviously, the Dodgers have a better lineup, but setting Andrew Heaney as about a $2 favorite, that just is offline in my opinion. Did wind up saying my total at a 9.2. I think that both teams could be able to hit some deep balls in this game, especially with this being a day game out there in LA where the ball travels much more fluidly than during the nighttime. So looking at an over on the nine and with the Reds, set them at plus 142. So going to be taking a look at the plus price. Here we go with the DK Nation pick of 963-964. You've got the Slam Diego Padres and they're going to be playing us to the Atlanta Braves as you've got Bryce Elder who's going to be going for the Bravos and you Darvish going to be going for the Padres. Padres find themselves as anywhere between minus 129 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, plus price with Atlanta is anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120. Eight is your total. The over and under is anywhere between even and minus 120. So we've got a lot of movement there. Seeing a straight 7.5 out there as well. That 7.5 under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at an 8.6. So I am certainly willing to take a look at an over in this spot. But with Bryce Elder, I just don't really have 
a lot of faith in him. In his MLB debut, he was able to get the job done against the Washington Nationals. And you do take a look at the minor league stats for him. They certainly are far from bad. But that said, this is also a guy that when he was at the AAA level last season, that's just seven starts in total. He did wind up having 4.9 walks per nine innings. And overall in the minor leagues last year, 3.7 walks per nine innings. It's a guy that he wound up having an ERA just all throughout his minor leagues last season of a 275. So he was able to keep the ball down. Didn't necessarily wind up giving up a whole bunch of hard contact, but now you're out there in the big leagues. A little bit of a big spot for a kid who's just 22 years old. Now he's on the bright stage of Sunday Night Baseball. I think that things could be hitting him like a ton of bricks in this one. And you've got a veteran in you, Darvish, that has a lot of, to prove because in his last start that he wound up having Boy, oh boy, this guy wound up getting just banged around like a pinata. I mean, he wound up coming in one and two-thirds innings. He gave up nine runs, all of which were against the San Francisco Giants, and let's call it what it is. Ever since the All-Star break of the 2021 season, his ERA has been hovering right around six, if you include the two starts this season, but I do think that he's going to be able to lock in against an Atlanta Braves team that they have been able to come in relatively strong. They wind up getting the win yesterday as you've got Ozzie Albies, who's been already able to give you a pair of home runs this season. As a matter of fact, four home runs this season. You've got Marcelo Zuna, Matt Olson, firing all cylinders, pair of home runs for both of these gentlemen with Olsen having a 556 on base. Austin Riley, 400 on base. He's been able to do his part, but the bottom of the lineup for the Atlanta Braves, guys like Manny Pina, Eddie Rosario, Dansby Swanson, they have not been able to come through. And for the San Diego Padres, you've been able to have Drixon Profar give you a tree of home runs already this season. I expect a little bit of bounce back for Trent Gershom. He got his first home run of the campaign yesterday. Manny Machado has north of a 400 on base. Eric Hosmer has actually done something after being a big giant waste of money for this team. And then you take a look at that Padres bullpen and it's relatively solid. You've got Austin Adams who's able to give you some relatively good production. Nibel Crisman wanted coming in in long relief yesterday, but that wound up saving a lot of these other guys. Like, now you're able to have someone like a Pedro Avila be able to give you an inning. Taylor Rogers. So, that's going to be rock solid. And then you take a look at the Atlanta Braves and you're able to get great production out of A.J. Minter. Will Smith wound up getting jiggy with it yesterday, so you don't have to worry about that. So, that should be able to help them out a little bit, but you're probably going to need some length in this one because I think that Elder may not be long in this game. Darren O'Day is probably going to be on call in this one, along with Brad Spencer Strider in a little bit of a long relief role as well. I do think that you Darvish could be able to bounce back in Sunday Night Baseball. I think that this is a case in which Elder, the walks that he wound up giving out in the minor leagues, they're going to manifest themselves in this game, not allow him to go deep, and that'll allow the Padres to be able to get the job done. So the DK Nation pick is going to be on the San Diego Padres. Set them as a minus 148 favorite, meaning by total 8.6 as well. So looking at an over. 965, 966 on the bang board. The New York Yankees hit the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Bruce Zimmerman with two hands on the end of Zimmerman is going to be going for the Orioles. And Nestor Cortez is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. Yankees anywhere between minus 181 and minus 195 favorites. Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Orioles, it is anywhere between plus 165 and plus 170. Between 8.5 and, and 9 is your total. On the 8.5, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 9, under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I'll just give you the run line price right away since I know that a lot of you guys are taking a look at it. Yankees anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 on laying a run and a half, and that is exactly where I'm looking. I set this run line at minus 137. It's not the 
money line at a minus 186. So money line is relatively on par with what I've got, but I would much rather take a look at the run line here with the New York Yankees because even though Bruce Zimmerman did wind up having a good, solid first start of the season, I think that this is someone that is going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening. You take a look at what Zimmerman wound up doing in 2021 and in his six starts at home, gave up nine home runs in 34 and two-thirds innings. Ballpark dimensions, now a little bit more pitcher-friendly out there in Baltimore, but I do think that the Yankees still going to continue to just have the power surge that you wound up seeing last year out of them. And you've got so many guys who are going to go off for 25 plus home runs this season. You've got Josh Donaldson, Anthony Rizzo, John Carlos Sandin, Aaron Judge. All these guys did a solid job of being able reach base. Left out there Joey Gallo because and Gallo has a chance to be able to get 40 bombs this year. Problem is, he might not hit at the Mendoza line of 200 in the process as well. This is a guy that just does not do a great job there. Glaber Torres, Aaron X. These guys are somewhat of question marks. And then take a look at the Baltimore Orioles. You do have a pair of very good bats in this lineup. Ryan Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins. Both of these guys hit north of 25 home runs last season. And Mullins is capable of hitting a 300. Anthony Santander, Ramon Urias are able to get on base for you, but what are you going to be able to get out of guys like a Ore Mateo, Rudnett Odor, Anthony Benboom, DJ Turner up Stewart is now in the minor leagues because he was that bad. Trey Boom Boom Mancini able to give you some power, but this is an Orioles bullpen that is legitimately one of the worst that you're ever going to find. Felix Batista and Paul Fryer being relied upon for big innings. That is not a good sign. And then with the Yankees, this bullpen ranks in the top five in the big leagues in terms of ERA right now. Aroldis Chapman has been all over the place and really since June of last year as a north of five ERA. You really can't rely upon him but you can rely upon Jonathan Luizaga. You can rely upon Miguel Castro. Even Chad Green is able to give you some good innings. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Nestor Cortez is going to be able to come to the forefront. We were talking about it with our good friend Curtis Rogers. Had a three-ish ERA last season. And this year, four and a third innings. Scoreless against the Toronto Blue Jays. Be able to lead it off. And a guy that on the road, he wasn't necessarily quite as dominant as he was at home. But in a 10 total appearances last season, opponents hit a 223 off of him. He posted up a 328 ERA. I think that he's going to come in. He is going to be able to get the job done. Now, I do think that Yankees are going to be able to put a hurting on Zimmerman and company. I did wind up saying this total at a 9.7, so this is a case in which I'm going to be taking this total over, and I'm going to be taking the Yankees on the run line. 967-968 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins hit the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. Michael Waka, as we do our dying Pac-Man voice in favor of Michael Waka. Waka, 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 Going to be going for the Boston Red Sox. And Bailey Ober is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. I miss doing waka, 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 by the way. So that was fun. You've got the Twins fighting themselves pretty much in a pick'em game here. They are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Sox, as good as a minus 101, as bad as a minus 110 is their price. And the total on this game is anywhere between 9.5 and, and 10. On the 9.5, the over is minus 125. The under is plus 105. And on the 10, you are noticing that the over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 both ways. And with the Minnesota Twins, I did want to saying them at plus 101, which means that the minus 101 that we're currently seeing on the Boston Red Sox, it's the absolute max I'd be willing to lay it. We're right now seeing a shift to the Minnesota Twins being a slight favorite in a lot of spots, but with the Twins being a very slight favorite, I'm going to be willing to take the Boston Red Sox in this spot. Pretty much, it becomes a situation which whichever team winds up becoming plus money in the AM, that's who I'm going to be going with. I think that this is a relatively equal game. You take a look at Waka, and first start wasn't terrible for him. 
Four and a third innings, he winds up giving up one run against the Detroit Tigers. He's done a good job of being able to lock in with regards to his command. Last season, the big thing was whenever he was away from Tampa Bay, 561 ERA, giving up 14 bombs in 69 innings, and Boston not necessarily a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And then you take a look at Bailey Obran. First start of the season for him wasn't necessarily great. Winds up giving up four runs over the course of five innings. Guy that winds up giving up right around two walks per nine innings, but also nearly two home runs per nine innings last season. And you do take a look at this Minnesota Twins lineup. Byron Buxton already has a trio of home runs this season. Guy's absolutely amazing, but you take a look at the top. Max Kepler, Miguel Sano, Carlos Correa, you're even able to throw in their, their catcher and Ryan Jeffers. All these guys entered into yesterday hitting a buck 75 or lower. It's been a little bit rough. You know that Carlos Correa is going to be able to pick it up, but man, the Minnesota Twins a little bit of an all-or-nothing team, and right now they're giving you absolutely nothing. And for the Boston Red Sox, one of the better teams of being able to get on base in all of baseball, Rafael Devers already has a pair of home runs to his name. He's hitting at 353 for the campaign. You've had Alex Verdugo be able to go deep a trio of times. He's hitting nearly at 300. Trevor's story, his home and road splits are a little bit demonstrative. I think that he's going to have a little bit of a tough time in Boston, but thus far, he's been able to reach base relatively well. you got to figure that Christian Vasquez, Bobby Dahlbeck, Kike Hernandez, all guys hitting below 200. They're going to be able to pick it up, and then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox, and I do like the bullpen of this team. They did wind up having to use up Garrett Woodlock yesterday, but you even take a look at someone like a Jake Diekman. He winds up coming in in the offseason. He sure things up, or Kazusato Mora, and so Robles. They're able to give you good innings for the Minnesota Twins. A little bit of a feast or famine bullpen. You've got Jorge Alcala who's currently on the injured list, so that's a loss for them. Emilio Pagan, he gives up just a whole bunch of bombs. He wound up giving up 14 of them last season. Caleb Theobar, don't necessarily have a lot of faith in him, so I do take a look at this. I think that Ober is a little bit better than Michael Waka, but I do like the overall team a little bit better for the Boston Red Sox, so I'm willing to lay up to a minus 101 here with Boston. Like I said, this is a case in which whatever team winds up becoming like a plus money underdog in the AM. That's what I'm going to be rolling with right now. We're seeing the Twins in a lot of places, a very slight favorite. So right now, looking at the Boston Red Sox, when it comes to the total, set it at a 9.7. So here at the tents that I'm seeing, willing to take it under, and I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on Boston. 969, 970 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Adam Muller is going to be going for the A's. The A's are a big, giant underdog once again. Anywhere between plus $2 and plus $221. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Jays, it's anywhere between minus $230 and minus $265. 9 is your total. Over and under, anywhere between minus $105 and minus $115. Seeing straight 8.5 out there as well. That over is minus $115. The under is minus $105. And when can we get some stinking respect for the... Oakland A's. I did wind up saying them as a plus 204, so this means that at plus 220, once again, the Oakland A's prices are a little bit off, and that means that for the sixth time in eight days, we're going to be trying to take a look at an Oakland A's plus money ticket. You take a look at what Aller wound up doing last season at the minor leagues. Spent time with AAA Syracuse and AA Birmingham, and he was relatively solid. Big thing with him is that he was able to keep the ball in the yard. 0.7 home runs per nine innings, and a half punch outs per nine, and for his major league career, 20.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but obviously take that with a grain of salt as he wound up giving up five runs in his first inning. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be able to come through and give you a great performance here. Alec Manoa, meanwhile, he is someone that he does a very good job of being able to get swings and misses overall for his career, right around 11 punch outs per nine innings. You take a look at what Manoa has been able to do for his career with regards to home and road splits because didn't wind up having a home start to begin the season, but at home, 232 ERA last season, four bombs given up in 54 and a third innings opponents hit a buck 53 off of him, but this is an Oakland A's team that you take a look at their approach at the play 
played in, they have been really rock solid. They have scored at least four runs in now all but two of their games this season. So it's an Oakland A's team that, despite the fact that you don't have these big giant power bats, they've been able to find a way to be able to generate some power. Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder, you're able to throw in there. Seth Brown, they all have multiple home runs this season. Christian Pache, who has been a very highly touted prospect for many years, he's been able to come along with the bat. Fielding has always been there for him, so that's absolutely massive. You've been able to have Jed Lowry be able to give you some good at-bats. So it's an Oakland A's team that's a little bit of a mismatch of pieces, and they've been able to come together. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, and they've been a little bit feast or famine on offense to begin the season. Now, you've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. has already got five bombs this year. It's absolutely insane what you've been able to see out of him. Matt Chapman, he's a little bit of a dead bat. He does have multiple home runs this season, but we saw what he wound up doing ironically enough in Oakland last year. Not necessarily great. You need a little bit more consistency out of these guys that they wind up pl- platooning a little bit more like a Remy Tapia. You need a little bit more out of Alejandro Kirk and the catcher spot in general. We know what Boba Shett is going to be able to do. He's currently hitting right around the Mendoza line. That is certainly going to be ticking up, but also with the Blue Jays, it is a bullpen that is not necessarily so great. Taylor Saucedo, wound up being placed on the injured list. He's currently not with the team. Julia Merriweather, Tim Maza, these guys are a little bit up and down. They used up Yimi Garcia yesterday. And for the Oakland A's, Lou Trevino, not necessarily the world's greatest closer for the team, but someone like a Sam Maul is able to give you some good innings for the team. Dalis Carrera has been on the injured list. That's been a little bit tough, but they've instead been giving opportunities to Adam Cleric, Justin Grimm. These guys have taken them and run with these opportunities. And Ryan Kesselani, if you need him for long relief, he is there as well. I do think that Manoa should be a relatively sizable favorite, and I do think that he's the Blue Jays' best pitcher, but I think that this is an Oakland A's team that, in general, they are being terribly undervalued, and I think that that's the case once again here. Going to be willing to take north of $2 here with the Oakland A's. I do think that you're going to get a relatively higher scoring game here. Set the total at 9.4, so going over and going A's. 971-972 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals are going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers. Tyler Alexander is going to be going for the Tigers, and Carlos Hernandez is going to be on the bump for the Royals. So Royals are finding themselves anywhere between minus 122 and minus 125 favorites for the Tigers. It's anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115 with your total at a NAF over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for the Detroit Tigers, I did wind up saying them as an underdog of plus 134 in this spot. You take a look at Carlos Hernandez. I like the way that he wound up closing out the season. A 355 ERA as a starter last season was actually starting out the year in the bullpen. Wound up getting some starts. Looked rock solid. Now, first start of the season. Gives up four runs and four and a third innings to the Guardians when the Guardians wound up going complete and under scorched earth mode. But I do take a look at Mr. Hernandez. He wound up having a 489 ERA at home last season, but I do chalk it up a little bit more to bad luck. Opponents hit a buck 69 off of him on the road, 264 at home. I just think that it's one of those cases in which it was a little bit of an outlier. And then you do take a look at Tyler Alexander. And what Tyler Alexander does a solid job of is not beating himself. Last season, wound up issuing just 28 walks and 106 and a third inning, so about two and a half walks per nine innings. So he does give up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but he is facing off against the Royals team that they don't necessarily have a lot of power. Salvador Perez, he had his 48 home runs last season, but there's really nobody else that you're able to look to for consistent power. Carlos Santana is currently hitting a 077. If you look since the All-Star break last season, among qualifying players, he's been legitimately the worst hitter out there in the American League, but Nicky Lopez, he's hitting for right around a 350 along with Andrew Benintendi. With Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr., these guys should be able to pick it up a little bit more. Adalberto Mondesi, if they wind up reaching base, they've got some good wheels in them for the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Torkelson has been off to a little bit of a rough start to begin his career, but it's starting 
to come around from now as a 387 on base. He's got himself a pair of homers, so that has been nice to see. But Jamie Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Harold Castro, these guys hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. Robbie Grossman has been nowhere to be found thus far this season. Eric Haas has a home run to his name, but he's been struggling a little bit as well. And you take a look at both of these bullpens, and they're both very rock solid. You did wind up having to use up Will Vest along with Drew Hutchinson and Jason Foley yesterday for the Detroit Tigers, but that means that Gregory Soto is going to be out there along with Alex Lang, so you've got some good pieces there. And for the Kansas City Royals, Scott Barlow, Jake Brenz, these guys are very solid for this team. Josh Stamount is one of the more underrated closers out there in the game. Only wound up having to use up 10 pitches yesterday, so that's good along with having Joel Payampa. So I do think that the Royals are going to be able to get it done with their bullpen. Royals don't necessarily have a lot of pop in the back, but I do think that they're going to be able to hit a pitcher contact guy in Mr. Tyler Alexander. So one late here with the Royals set them as minus 134 favorite. They want to make my total 8.4 as well. You've got just a big giant lack of power with both of these teams and we've seen it. Neither team has been able to get past four runs in this series thus far. So looking at an under and looking at the Royals. 973, 974 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing those to the Tampa Bay Rays. J.P. Fire Eisen is getting the start for the Tampa Bay Rays and Vinny Velo, Vince Velasquez is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are finding themselves anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 110 and minus 102. In half is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even a plus 105. This is a Rays bullpen that right now, they've been just dealing with a lot of injuries in general, especially with the fact that you've had to use a few openers. You wind up having Luis Patino wind up going out in the first inning of a start about a week or so ago. So it is a Tampa Bay Rays team that they're not necessarily coming in in great form. And when you've got J.P. Fireisen getting the start, that's not necessarily too terrific. I think that you can get multiple innings of J.P. Fireisen and Fireisen, a very good reliever. But with that said, it is going to be the wholesale approach. you got to think that you're probably going to be seeing quite a bit of someone like a Jalen Beeks who hasn't thrown in a few days. And Beeks, Always has been a little bit of a roll the dice guy. Some new last season wound up having a 326 ERA, but just throughout his career has been having a little bit of a command issue north of three walks per nine innings. You could also wind up seeing Tommy Romero, who wound up getting a start a couple days ago. He might be appearing in this game. He wound up in his first career start going one and two-thirds innings, giving up three runs to the Oakland A's. So that was not necessarily too terrific. And then you take a look at Mr. Velasquez, and he throughout his career has been just very suspect, but... First start of the year, four innings pitch. He winds giving up one run. Now, he gave up three walks in the process. Didn't necessarily look great, but was able to get the job done. And he is backed up by a bullpen that is relatively at full force and is pretty solid in their own right. Aaron Bummer is not a bummer. He's able to give you some relatively solid innings. I've always liked Jose Ruiz for this team as well. Liam Hendricks has been able to close the door for the team time and time again, although he's been using back-to-back days. You can't think that he's going to be trotting out there once again. And then you take a look at this White Sox lineup, and you've got a very interesting group in general. I see Osmani Grandal, dating back to the beginning part of last season, has right around a 235 batting average with the White Sox, but his on-base percentage is more like a 420. Eloy Jimenez, he was able to bust out with a few hits yesterday. Jose Abreu, he's been able to hit like 100 RBI each of the last few seasons. He got a home run yesterday. Tim Anderson, he's hitting a 440. Andrew Vaughn, he's got multiple bombs. He's hitting nearly a 350. And then you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and Brandon Lau. He's been able to get loud. He's been able to give the team a trio of home runs, but 
Randy Arosarena has had a little bit of a rough start to the year. He, Yandy Diaz, you're able to throw in there. Mike Zanino, Brett Phillips, they're all hitting a 200 or worse to begin the season. G-Man Choi, they've got 526 is absolutely ridiculous, but everyone else for the team has been having a little bit of a tough time. They bring in Harold Ramirez. He's a good bat for the team as well, but I do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. They've just been utilizing their bullpen in strange ways. They've really been strained by injuries. I do think that when it's all said and done, the Rays are going to be one of the most competitive teams out there in the American League, but right now, they're just with injuries, and we notice it with Vince Velasquez. Typically, he actually looks relatively solid at the beginning of the year, and then he just completely tapers off after the All-Star break, and I think we're going to see that once again. Willing to lay up to minus 114 here with the White Sox, so I'm going to be willing to lay it. So my total at a 9.1 as well, I do think that you see both of these teams wind up being able to bust out for some runs in this game after a little bit of a low-scoring first two games of the series. So looking over and looking White Sox. 975-976 on the main board. The Walker Texas Rangers are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. You've got Mr. Jose Suarez going for the Angels and Martin Perez is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog here. Getting them anywhere between minus 105 and plus 107. Meanwhile, with the Angels, it is anywhere between minus 113 and minus 117. 9 to 9.5 is your total on the 9 overs, minus 120. The unders even on the 9.5, unders minus 120, and the over is even. And with Mr. Suarez and company, I did wind up saying the Angels as a plus 113 underdog. I feel like bookmakers are starting to really overvalue the LA Angels once again. You take a look at Suarez and for his career, been very up and down for him. When he wanted becoming a starter last season, he was not as effective as he was coming out of the bullpen and a big reason why he does wind up giving out quite a few walks. A career walks per nine rate that hovers a little bit above three and then you take a look at Martin Perez and he's got some of the same issues as well. You take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021 though while he was with the Boston Red Sox and while he's with the Red Sox, a 371 ERA away from Boston, 564 while he was in Boston. So clearly a guy that's a little bit more comfortable when he's away from the city of Boston. His walks per nine rate, he's been able to drop it a little bit more recently. Last year, it was more around a three-ish, so he was able to keep that a little bit more in line. And for the Texas Rangers, obviously, it's a bunch that they wanted batting some bats in the offseason. Corey Seager's hitting above a three-arm for the team. Marcus Simeon just has not been able to get out of his own way, but he had 45 bombs last season. He's going to be able to turn it around. Willie Calhoun was legitimately one of the most unlucky hitters in baseball in terms of batting average versus expected batting average last season. We were talking about it with Curtis Rogers. Joy Otani, Mike Trout. You know what you're going to be able to get from them for the LA Angels, and it's all said and done. Both of these guys are going to give you north of 30 home runs. Both of these guys are going to be able to do a great job of being able to get on base, but what are you going to be able to get out of Anthony Rendon? Hitting right around at 200 this season. Joe Adele, he's hit a couple home runs, but he's also set fire to the rain with regards to his batting average below the Mendoza line of a 200. Brandon Marsh, okay start to the season for him, and I will say you've been able to get some good at-bats out of Matt Duffy, but also with the bullpen of the Angels, you've got one very good reliever that's able to lock it down in Rossi Iglesias, but Brian Moran, Oliver Ortega, along with Jimmy Ergo. What are you going to be able to get out of these guys? Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, Joe Barlow is actually halfway reliable for the team. Alberto Bonet is someone that I do like. Spencer Patton last year was lights out for this bunch, so I do like Texas in the spot. I did wind up setting them as a minus-113 favorite. I do think that you're going to get a little bit of higher scoring game. I did wind up setting the total at a 9.2. At the 9.5, I'd be willing to take a look at an under. Depends upon how things wind up shifting, because opener was 9. I was willing to take that over. Now we're seeing mostly 9.5. So at a 9, I'm going to be willing to take an over if this winds up settling at 9.5. Going to be looking a little bit more at an under end with the Texas Rangers willing to take the plus price with them. 977-978 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Houston Astros. Jose Arikidi is going to be going for the Astros and Matt Brash is going to be going 
for the Seattle Mariners. Mariners are finding themselves as an underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 107 and plus 112. Meanwhile, for the Astros, anywhere between minus 117, minus 130 is your price. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8.5. Unders minus 125. The overs plus 105 on the 8. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 110. And when it comes to Houston Astros, wound up setting them at a minus 131 in this spot. Now, Matt Brash looked relatively solid in his first career start. And this is someone that is going to be a very good starter for a very long time when it comes to this Seattle Mariners team. And it's really he and Logan Gilbert that are going to be in takeover mode for this bunch. But you do take a look at what Brash wound up doing at the minor leagues last season. Certainly was able to get a bunch of swings and misses. I believe that he wound up beginning his career actually pitching at the college level. I think that it was for TCU, if I remember correctly. Might have been for Niagara University. It's one of those two. But you do take a look at him. And the big thing for him... Four and a half walks per nine innings last season. That is a little bit of an issue there. He does a good job of being able to get swings and misses. Does a good job of being able to keep down the contact. But this is a Houston Astros team that is one of the best with regards to plate discipline in all of baseball. Fewest strikeouts per at-bat that you're going to find of any team. And for Jose Urquidy, he's not a guy that's going to give you a lot of strikeouts, but he's going to be able to give you some length because he does a good job of not necessarily hurting himself. You take a look at last season, 362 ERA on the road, a 386 ERA, giving up eight home runs in 56 innings, bonus hitting at 229 off of him. That's certainly going to fly because he winds up giving up right around 1.7 walks per nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is relatively solid. I do like the fact that you've got locked up for the long term someone like a Ryan Presley, who he seems to be dealing with a couple of injury issues right now, so he's not going to be available in this game, but Blake Taylor is someone that you are going to have in the fold for this game. Phil Mayton is someone that you're able to rely upon. Brian Abreu, if you need him to be able to give you some innings, you're able to get those as well, as it was pointed out by Curtis Rogers. Got a pair of big bats. They're going to be out of the fold in this one. Jordan Alvarez, Mitch Haniger. I expect both of these guys to be very solid for their respective lineups, but what Haniger means to the Mariners, a little bit more so than Alvarez to the Houston Astros, because the Astros, they're able to just plug and play at this point. I mean, the young outfielders that you've got, Kyle Tucker, Chaz McCormick, Jose Siri, all these guys with a full season, they're able to give you 25 plus home runs. They all do a great job of being able to reach base. Jeremy Pena has been able to do a solid job with the right around a 321 on base entering into the game on Saturday. Alex Bregman has multiple home runs. Jose Altuve has yet to go yard this season, has been off to a little bit of a rough start. You know that he's going to pick it up along with Yoli Gurriel. And then for the Seattle Mariners, it's a team that was towards the bottom of the lake in terms of batting average last season. Hanniger, he entered into the game on Saturday, having it three of the team's nine home runs. You've got Enyuhinho Suarez who's went deep a pair of times, but he's hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. Ty France can be a little bit up and down with his bat. Adam Frazier has been off to a little bit of a rough start, and really ever since getting traded from the Pittsburgh Pirates has not been himself. So that's an issue now. With The good news with the Mariners is that the bullpen for the team, very good. Drew Steckenrider is able to give you good innings. Even Matthew Festa has looked better this season than he was last season. Anthony Michevich, Andre Munoz, they're able to give you some good innings, but that said, I think that Urakiti is just a little bit more set for this moment. I think that Brash is going to be solid down the line, but I think that his lack of command really going to hurt him in this spot. I did wind up saying this total at an 8.6. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over. The Houston Astros just do a great job of being able to hit it in general. And ball in Seattle during the daytime travels a little bit differently than the nighttime as well. So that's a little bit of a factor here. Looking at the over and looking at the Houston Astros. And we wrap things up with 979-980 on the bang board. The San Francisco Giants hit the road to face off against the Cleveland Guardians. You've got Aaron Savali going for the Guardians. And Alex Wood is going to be trying to lay the wood to the Guardians for the Giants. Giants 
anywhere between minus 124 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Guardians, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120 is your price. 7.5 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Seeing a straight 8 out there as well. That over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And I did wind up setting the total at an 8.7. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over and with the San Francisco Giants. Set them as a minus 122 in this spot. If you wind up taking a look at the run line, you're finding it right around a plus 135 to a plus 140. At a plus 140 run line, I'd be willing to take a shot here on the Giants. And we've noticed that this has come down from the opener. It was at minus 140. Now we're seeing this more in line with what I wound up having. I need about a two cent move on the money line of minus 124 to get down to that minus 122. But Right now, a lot of money is coming in on the Cleveland Guardians. So right now, I am just determining what is going to be the better value, the money line or the run line. If I were to do it right now, it would be the run line. I'm going to be gauging how this winds up moving overnight. But I do take a look at Alex Wood, and I do think that he's going to be able to come out and is going to be able to lend you a solid start. Someone who last season, he probably pitched a little bit worse than what his record would indicate. But that said, someone that does a solid job of be able to keep games out in front of him, does a nice job, not necessarily beating himself. As you take a look at what he wound up doing on the road last season, 420 ERA, seven home runs, give it up in 55 and two-thirds innings, walks per nine rate, was hovering right around about a 2.8-ish. And then for Aaron Savali. This is someone that I just feel like he's been pitching above his skis for quite a long time. Last season, 12-5 record with a 384 ERA and at home had a 482 ERA. Gave up 12 home runs and 56 innings out there in Cleveland. Opponents hit a 259 off of him. He's not much of a swing and miss guy, and yet somehow somebody wound up having that record. That just doesn't add up. And for both of these teams, their bullpens are relatively solid. Emmanuel Classe might be the best closer that you're going to find out there in the big leagues, not named Josh Hader, but you've got Connor Pilkington. He's going to be seeing some good innings, and he's someone that I'm high on. Nick Sandlin, Brian Shaw, they're able to do a solid job for the team as well, but you look at the Giants, only bullpen in the big leagues last season that wound up finishing up the season with a sub-3 ERA. Jarlin Garcia, Camilo Duvall, they're able to give you some good innings, but on top of that, you've got Tyler Rogers, you've got Jose Alvarez, you're able to throw in there someone like a Sam Long, who's easy, able to give you a little bit of long relief, Zach Liddell as well, and then for the San Francisco Giants, they just do such a good job with their splits. You've got Brandon Belt, who's been getting a home run every about 13 or so at bat since the beginning of last season. Mikey Stremski was one of the most unlucky hitters in all of baseball last season. I expect to turn around from him. Jack Peterson sitting above a 300 thus far this season. Wilmer Flores does a good job of being able to reach base. He's able to give you a little bit of power. And Joey Park, he's already got a pair of home runs. He's sitting right around 300. And for the Guardians, you do have Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, and then the unsung hero, Owen Miller, all hitting at least a 400. And for Owen Miller, there was a point in yesterday's game in which he had a 560 batting average. Just absolutely insane what we've been seeing out of him. I just don't know how sustainable it is. Framio Reyes, Jose Ramirez, they both wound up having 30 home runs last season. Nobody else on this team really has a lot of power, but Amit Rosario, he's able to get on base for you, but I do take a look at Aaron Savali. Not necessarily very bullish on him with the way that things have been coming down. Probably going to be a play for me on the San Francisco Giants if this line move continues. Like I said, set this at a minus 122, so we're waiting on a little bit of a line move, determining whether it's going to be Giants money line or run line, but I do think that Savali going to give up some runs in the spot, semi-total at 8.7, so looking at it over as well. And now we'll wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN in Seattle for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this five podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got 
got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is by Twitter timeline at Jaren41. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast, five stars, very much appreciate them from there. You're able to fire whatever you like to hear on this podcast via the five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 